I was uh, intrigued. I, I saw a story. I think it was um, our Secretary of uh, Defense. I think he's the one that shared the story about during the Hamas attack on the on the Israel settlements, right just inside of Israel. There was one kibbutz that was under attack. I, I'm very familiar with kibbutz. I lived um, one summer, three months, on two different kibbutz, kibbutzim. And it was an incredible experience. Very family-oriented, very connected, what they do, with the work, and all those things. So what, what, what struck me about this story was he's talking about that, that this kibbutz was attacked. And this one family called this father, called his father, <laughs> And said, we're, we're under attack. They're, they're shooting. There's bullets flying right now. Now, his, his father was a retired general from the Israeli army. And he didn't live very far. And so he got some guys, and within minutes, he showed up with, his own, with their own guns, protection, was able to, to fight off some other uh, bad guys and, was, and, and pulled his family out. But what struck me in the story is he said that there was a, a granddaughter who was, who was watching. She didn't probably understand all the ramifications or the danger that was there. But when Grandpa got there, she stood up and proclaimed with a loud voice, It's okay! Grandpa's here. Come on! <laughs> it's okay! Now, I didn't know if she, she thought he, would, he could defend off the entire army that was attacking because he's Grandpa. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. What, what stirred me was her faith. She was like, okay, it's, it's cool now. Why? Because grandpa's here. Do you know it's okay? Because God is with you. Do you know? Do you know? No matter what we're facing, and, and it, it's, it's crazy out there. They're saying now they're worried about here in America that there could be some copycat attacks and things going on, and, and Iran might enter the war and pushing it because they orchestrated the whole thing. And they're being pushed by China, who's orchestrating the whole thing so that they can take and attack somewhere else. Come on. If all of a sudden you wake up tomorrow morning and the whole world is on fire, are you going to freak out? Are you going to be afraid? Are you thinking, man, maybe this is it, and the end is coming, and, and, and it, it, it's, it's too far? If the war widens, if it gets larger in, in Iran and Taiwan and all these kinds of other things, how fearful will you be? Are you, is your trust in God? This morning, I want to share a very simple thought that I believe is going to encourage you, because that's what God put on my heart, to encourage you, to say, you know what? It's okay. God's got this. And it's simply this. You were marked. You were marked. You, you wear the mark. You wear the mark. <laughs> and you think, well, what mark? What, 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 what mark is that? And, 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 and what does that mean? It's really interesting in the mark or, or tattoos. Uh, it isn't just a recent event. I mean, you, you look at it now in our society and you just think it's, it's all about just about uh, right now and, and, and what's going on and, 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 and such. But it goes back, tattoos and, and marks go back thousands and thousands of years. But in America specifically, there was um, a tradition that started, and it started, as you can imagine, with the uh, American sailors. <laughs> They were the first ones, even before the Revolutionary War, when they were just colonists, they were the very first ones to start to, to, to wear the tattoo. 
But what's intriguing is why? What started that? Why, what were they getting tattooed for the most part? And what were they wearing? In those days, the British Army had a deal with the American colonists. It said, if, if you're part of a colony, if you're, part, if you're American, then we can't force you into working on our British ships. <laughs> of course, that didn't stop the British from doing it anyway. <laughs> they, and they, they, and it, you just have to have papers to prove I'm an American. I prove I'm, 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 that's it, I'm, I'm an American. So what happened was, is that they, uh, the British soldiers would just tear up the papers. Or, do you always carry your papers? <laughs> Do you always carry your papers proving you're American uh, citizen? And so that, that was the problem. So they decided, this is simple. They began to tattoo on their arms <laughs> their information with a, a symbol of the battalion they're with or the colony that they're connected with, Virginia or whatever. They began to ta tattoo that right on their arm to show, I'm an American. They wore the tattoo. They wore the mark that showed them where they belonged. And I thought about that, and I think that that is that that it, that it, in our these these crazy times that we live in, and the things that that are going on, do we wear the mark to prove where we belong? Do we wear that mark to prove this is where who I am and this is where I belong? And you say, Mark, why, I don't have a mark. What mark do I have to have? You're going to have a church tattoo? We're going to yes, we are going to print a little core logo right on everyone. Some of you would like that. I know that. It's just like, oh, that's cool. But you know what was crazy? If you look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says and teaches us something really powerful. Ephesians 1, 13 says, when you believed, when? When you believed, when you believed in Christ, at the very beginning, when you believed in Christ, you were marked in him with a seal that promised the Holy Spirit. So the, the Holy Spirit sealed us, marked us at the very beginning. When you believed, you were marked. When you began, now here's the key, you got to believe. And we still got to keep believing. But when we believe, we were marked with the Holy Spirit. We were marked by God. God marked us. Now, of course, you, you understand, you say, well, I don't see a mark. Well, here's the thing about it. It's, it, it's not physical, but it has to be seen. Did you just hear what I said? That's a whole sermon right there. Come on. It, it, it's not physical, but you got to see that you've been marked. So someone say, you're, well, how come you feel with so much joy? How come you're happy in this crisis? How come you're dealing with this when you should be falling apart, when you should be weeping? And like that, not that we're always perfect, but how come we, what do we have? Okay, I'm marked. You see the mark? You see the characteristic of that mark? You see what I am? So it's not always physical, but it's always seen because it's by faith. It's by faith. And you might say, well, what does that mean to be marked? Let me just share some marks that we wear. That we wear, because we're marked. See, you wear the mark of his song. You wear the mark of his new song that is on you. Now, when we start talking about mark, especially when it refers to last days, that's when everyone goes, going, oh, I ain't taking no mark. <laughs> especially if it has any number in it, you know. Sevens are good, but no sixes. How many know what I'm talking about? We just... You see, we live in a culture that is culturally aware of the mark of the beast that Revelation talks about. And because of that, and, and because of that mark, we, we, we have a lot of ap apprehension. But there's really, the Bible teaches about two significant marks in Revelation. Two marks, not one. 
One mark is certainly the mark of the enemy, the mark of Satan, the mark that, that is there. But the other mark is the mark of the Spirit. Did you know that the Bible, the end times, talks about the mark of the Spirit? Well, you should, because you just read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, <laughs> that said that we are marked from the moment we believed, we are marked. Not from the moment we, not when we're perfect, not when we get it all right, not when we have worked it all out, not when I, I, I got every sin taken care of, but when we believe, when you start to believe, the Bible says you're marked right there. God marks you. The power of his Holy Spirit. That's exciting. But you see, the enemy's mark, the mark of the beast, the enemy is all about counterfeit. That's all he does. That's all he does. He, that's all he can do is counterfeit. He, he has nothing original. So in Deuteronomy, we see this counter, this, this, where the counterfeit came from. Now you're thinking, wow, you're talking about the mark in Deuteronomy? Yes. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. This is a foundation for both marks. This is a foundation for who we live. This is a foundation for everything. It says, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Watch this. With all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, your will, your thoughts, and with all your strength. That's what the Bible says that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to worship God, love God, worship God with your soul, your mind, everything that you are, and with all of your strength. And you see that in Revelation, when the mark is, is all about, it's, it copies this and says, they worshipped the beast, they worshipped the enemy with their mind. The mark was on their forehead with their soul. And they worshipped with all of their strength what was on the hand. Do you see how it represents that? And the same, the same is true with everything that God is, is trying to do in our life. But the, the, the second mark that's talked about in Revelation is, is a mark that I'm talking about right now, the mark that we're marked with. It says, do not harm anything. Don't bring any destruction. Don't bring any harm. Don't do anything until we have put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. A mark, literally. Same exact words you find Ephesians. Same exact words that you find here. Same exact words that you find for the other mark. Same exact words. You know, it's interesting because if you look at all the commentaries and all the different views of people, what they believe, there's some that, that would believe that the mark that of the beast that I'm, what we're talking about is a very literal mark. You're going to vis visibly see it. <laughs> or now, you know, we sort of change that. It's sort of a digital type of thing, you know, implanted in your forehead or your wrist or whatever. But no one, no one takes those exact same words and says that the mark that goes on us as believers is literal. Nobody thinks that. You see, it's the same thing. So I contend, and my point is for all of this, is that we wear the mark right now. The Bible says that those that will be marked will be 144,000. If that's true, Man, don't be 144,000 in one, <laughs> you know, because you, you miss it, because only 144,000. But it was never meant to be a literal 144,000 because it talks about 12,000 from 12 tribes. It means all of God's people, 12 tribes, 12,000 from 12 tribes, 12 being the fullness and completeness of all of that, times 1,000, and 1,000 always means an age for the entire age of God's church. For the entire age that's going to happen, you are marked. 
In other words, all of God's people, no matter where they are, no matter where they come from, you are marked. <laughs> you are marked with what God's presence is. And then you see the, those that are marked, it says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 3, it says, they sang a new song. <laughs> I love that. They sang a new song before the throne. I think we were doing that this morning. I think we were singing a new song this morning. They sang a new song before the throne. Those that were on time. Oh, just kidding. Oh, yeah. You've got to get that in there. Sorry, I'm such a pastor sometimes. So, <laughs> that includes you guys online just tuning in. I, just, I know. Are you there? God told me. It's too big. It's good. They sang a song. Okay, do something spiritual. They sang a song before the throne. They sang it. No one could learn the song. Who could sing the song? No one could learn the song except the 144,000. They're the only ones that sing the song who have been redeemed from the earth. In other words, only the ones that are marked by God, only those that are redeemed by God can, can sing the song. Even now, this is true. Only those that have re Christ's redeeming power in our life, we're the ones that can sing the new song. And we, what we sing is worthy, worthy, worthy. You see, in a world where no one owns anything anymore, hardly, it's like, you, you don't own that song. Apple owns that song. <laughs> Apple probably owns the artist, but that's beside the point. No one go there. Uh, they, and you just play it. You just, you just rent it. So in a world where we tend to rent everything, how many know we own this song? Amen. This is our song. This is a song of redemption. This is a song in the midst of crisis, in the midst of pain, when there's wars going on, when our family is broken, when there's things that are hurting, when, when things are not right, when our business seems to be going under. We got a song. <laughs> we got a song to say, God is good. God is great. In Revelation 5, 9, it says, they sang, here it is, a new song saying, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Come on, that should be your song. If you're hurting, if you're struggling this week, if you're thinking, I don't know if I can, I don't know if it, where it's going to go, you should be saying, God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy in this crisis. You're worthy in this pain. You're worthy in this struggle. You're worthy in this sin. You're worthy in this doubt. God, you are worthy because you were slain. And your blood, your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe. It goes on to say every nation, every place, every corner, everyone, not just this people or that people, but everyone, anyone that is marked with the Holy Spirit and God's seal on us, we are marked. Are you, are, are you wearing the mark this morning? Are you wearing that new song in your life? You see, you're marked, but the mark is a mark of a new song. You know, so are you getting up and singing that old song, me and God hates me, the world hates me, you know, singing the country western music? <laughs> How do, you, how do you get praise out of country western music? Just play it backwards? No, anyway. The, the, point, the point, that was totally uncalled for. I love country music. The point is, we got to wear that new song. Come on. We have to wear the new song. We have to wear, we have to understand, you're marked with a new song. Not the song of your old self, not the song of your own failure, not the song of your old person that you used to be. You were marked with a new song, a greater song, that, that, that comes from Christ himself. Not only are we marked with a new song, you wear the mark of his thoughts. What does that mean? Oh, you're going to love this. This is so precious. See, several times in the Bible, uh, it just has these two little words, God remembered. For different persons, different situations, God remembered. 
God remembered. Now, if you look at this wrong, you can go, that's not a good thing. Does that mean we forgot? <laughs> God remembered because he went, oh, great. <laughs> Greg was asking for something, and I totally forgot about that. Now, I, I, I better go down there and help that church, or I better go down there and help this person, or I better go down to do this. God remembers does not mean that God forgot. God never forgets. God sees you constantly. God knows you. It does, God never forgets. So God remembers doesn't mean God forgot. It just remembers God acts. <laughs> God's doing something. God moves in our life. It says that God remembered means God's about to do something. Come on. <laughs> do you believe God remembers you in your pain, in your struggle, in your life, in your family? For the one you're believing for that just, you just don't know that God can ever move in there. God remembers. God moves in your life. It means that God acted. I love Genesis 8, 1. It's one of my favorite God remembers. He said, but God remembered that Noah and all of those critters, the official version says critters, all those critters were with him on the earth. God remembered Noah. God remembered, the, uh, the modern version is, God remembered Noah and all those stinking animals. <laughs> all those things, all those, can, can you imagine? Okay. I remember I was in Uganda, we went on a safari, and you go outside, and there's this natural aroma. And would I be my natural? I mean, not us. <laughs> it was just filled everywhere. You could just walk and go, whoa, what is that? You get out there, because that's what it is. <laughs> imagine Noah on this boat thinking, God, did you forget me? Hello? <laughs> you, know, you know, God, God forget isn't like God, you know, decided to destroy the world and said, oh, man, I think I, I think, oh, yeah, I left the water running. <laughs> you got to go, you got to go. You ever done that? I, I, I don't want to confess that I have, but Lisa has come in once and said, Greg, you left the water running. I did not leave the water running. Sometimes, okay, you just think, you know, you get busy, you're thinking about this and washing your hands and doing this and like that and praising God because that's what I when I worship I wash my hands anyway <laughs> so just you just get distracted and the water running left running God is not leaving the water running he always had Noah he always had Noah he always has you he remembers God knows where you're at God knows what's going on look at Psalms 139 17 how precious to me are your thoughts how precious lord oh god how vast is the sum of them is that how you see god do you worry about god has his big old thumb and he's just coming down hard and he's just going to squash you out or do you see his thoughts are precious toward you you see we wear his thoughts <laughs> his thoughts toward us are merciful and kind. He loves us. Are, are you worried that God has forgotten you and he's left you with a stinking business family? <laughs> I'm sorry, am I getting too personal? He, he's left you with that stinking debt. He's left you with that stinking pain. He's left you and you're thinking, God, have you forgotten me? Listen to me. We wear his thoughts. His thoughts are precious. They're wonderful. They're amazing to us. They're beyond belief. This is who he is. This is what he's doing. God, where? Do you understand that? This is the mark I wear. 
the redeemed. I'm redeemed. From the moment I believed, I wore a mark. And that mark means I have a new song. And that, that I wear his thoughts. And his thoughts are precious. And they're kind. And they're merciful. And sometimes they're stirring. And I don't understand why I'm on this boat. And it's rocking back and forth. And I'm seasick. And the animals are stinking. And it's not changing. And it's not turning around. And why isn't God doing this? And why isn't God bringing the answer? But God's precious thoughts are towards you. Come on. You see, it all has a point. We sing a new song. His thoughts are precious to us because you wear the mark of renewal. You wear that. This is so exciting. We wear this mark right now. You have it on. Do you understand that you have it on? Do you believe that you have it on? Do you, because it says once you believe, and so that means I believe God is here, I believe God's doing, I believe he's doing something. We wear, we wear, and you, you think, okay, what does it mean, Greg, really? What does it mean to have this mark? Where it's not physically, but it's seen physically in my life, in my attitude, my actions, and who I am, and what I do. What, is, what does that really, really, really mean? How does God change us? Well, Romans says it very clearly, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, watch this. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Maybe this is part of our mark. Our, our strength, hand, our mind, our thought, our soul, and who we worship, our heart. It's, 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 all, it's all part of it. It says, what, 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 what does that mean? You ever wondered? Have you ever just stopped and said, wait a minute. Pastor, I love your teaching. I love all that. But what does it mean to be renewed? How do, I, how do I renew, you know? What, what, what am I going to do to renew? And I'll teach you. I will teach you right here in the next two or three minutes, teach you how to renew your mind for the changing that God's going to do, the, the changing that God is working in your, in your mind. Neuroscience, current neuroscience, you know, it changes all the time, but current neuroscience teaches us that your conscious mind can hold anywhere from five to seven thoughts at the same time. Uh, up to seven thoughts. Um, average person can't do that. I, I'm, I'm down to two. No one. No, no two. Anyway, so we, there's, we, there's a, we can hold up to, up to seven thoughts. Now, in your subconscious, though, it's about 10 million. I mean, things are going on. Things doing things like that. Subconscious is constantly, constantly working things. So your brain, God designed us in our brains to take as much as it can out of the conscious and put it in the subconscious. Because, man, this is, I need to do this. And so it's constantly, your, your brain is constantly working to take whatever it can out of the conscious and put it into the subconscious so that you can function. You could do more. You could be more effective. Let me, let me show you this. Have you ever driven home by yourself or with someone else, and all of a sudden you pull into the driveway and you thought, I don't remember doing this. And it's not because you're at a party drinking, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. The bo the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit, but that's another sermon. So, so you get there, and you're just thinking. You're thinking. Uh, I don't remember. You know what happened? You've driven that so often. You've driven that so many times. You've driven, driven that same route that your brain says, doesn't, doesn't even need to be up here, and moved. Your brain was actually driving. You were driving. It's not like your car, well, it could have driven by itself, but. That side, your brain says, turn here, turn there, and you weren't even conscious. You were doing it on the subconscious. 
See, this is what happens. We do a, an act. We have a thought that's unhealthy, that's sinful. And we do it so often. We do it so many times. We move it from the conscious to the subconscious. And all of a sudden we look there and we don't even realize we're looking there. Or we have that flare of anger. <clears throat> Where did that anger come from? You didn't even know? I didn't even know. You're halfway through this long string of words that I can't pronounce or say or even think out loud. But you're doing this and you realize, where did that come from? Well, it's easy. And you say, Greg, I want to change that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to act like that. I don't want to respond that way. I don't want to go that way. I don't like that. How do I do that? You can't. Well, that's depressing. You can't as long as it's in the subconscious. See, what had happened is you have done that so often, you have thought that way so often, you have gone down that road so many times that you have built patterns in it, and your brain just says, okay, this is what happens. I'm going to take this and put it in the subconscious, and when someone hurts you, you're going to hurt them back. Because that, that's what you've built in your subconscious. But you can't, you can't change your subconscious. You cannot do it. You try, and we try, and we try, and all of a sudden, you're way down that road before you even realize that you're there because you're doing it in this. You're, you're in your driveway parked, and it's already done, and the damage is done, and you think, man, why did I do that? Why did I look at that? Why did I think that? Why did I go there? Why did I feel that? Come on. And all of a sudden, it's, it's too late. So what do we do? Oh, the Bible's great because it just teaches us what to do. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5. You got to kick it up. <laughs> you got to kick it up. He says, we demolish arguments. These are thoughts. Every pretension, every wrong thought in your mind and that sets itself up against so everything that's wrong, actions and, and, and such, and all your actions come from how you're thinking. And you got stinking thinking, you're going to have stinking actions. It's just that simple. And if you do it long enough, you're just going to do it in your subconscious and you don't even know that you do it. Have you ever been around someone that, that is so profane and they don't even realize they're cussing? You know? They don't even know that they're saying that. Well, it's just, just what they've done. Just what they've done. <laughs> just who they are. It's just, it's, it's just, so, so this says we have to demolish those. But how can we demolish those? We have to take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. So what do we do? We've got to take it out of the subconscious. And bring it up because you can only change your conscious actions. You gotta, you gotta take that and just grab a hold of that. You gotta take it captive and say, No, I'm not gonna think that. I'm not gonna have that fear. I'm not gonna have that sin. I'm not gonna have that doubt. I'm not gonna have that image. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna have that anger. I'm not gonna do these things. I'm gonna renew my mind. And then when you have it up here, doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean everything great, but you got, you, you at least you're taking it captive, at least you got something to grab a hold of. You got to kick it out of the subconscious. If you don't change, if you don't do anything, you just leave it in the subconscious, you won't change. But if we have this renewal in our minds, if we have this renewal and we just say, stop, wait, and pull it up and pull it up and pull it up and keep pulling up until it stays in your conscious and your brain says, well, obviously I don't want to control that because you keep pulling it up there and then pretty soon you change it you change it and you think now now when that happens i'm going to go ah that really hurt but my response isn't to run my response isn't to hurt back my response isn't to lash out my response is to pray my response is to forgive my response is to trust god with that situation my response is to make a difference but you see and it changes it all watch this greg how can you be so spiritual all the time let me show you 
Now, that was a joke. Come on, come on. How can you do that? If you do it enough, if you make the right decisions enough, over and over and over, then you can actually move it, the right decisions, into the subconscious. And you think, wow, how does that person do that? How do they always have a smile? It's not because everything went well, but it's because when they were hurting and everyone says you should be mad or angry or cussing God out, then you, he, they said, no, I will trust God and trust God. And then pretty soon, it just becomes who we are. You know what that is? That's wearing Christ. <laughs> Come on, grab it. Which brings me to my last thought. Last thought. When we, our mind is renewed, we need to understand what that means. We are wearing, you wear, you are marked with his clothes. You are marked with his covering. Jesus tells a story in Matthew. Jesus always tells stories. Jesus loved telling stories. We call them parables. Uh-uh, it was a story. Jesus was sitting around the table eating because that's what God does. <laughs> Sits around and eats. That's always the will of God. It's, it, it's in, and, and he started, hey, let me tell you the story. This story is unique, though. Because it's really complicated. Usually, these stories are much more simply and to the point. This was a very complicated story. It was a story was about a, a king whose son was getting married. And he was all excited about that, so he decided, decided to throw a huge banquet. And he says, okay, I'm going to throw this huge banquet. And invited all the important people, all the right people, all the people that should come to his son's wedding. He invited all of them. Probably the saddest words that Jesus have ever spoken are in this moment. Because it says that most of them just didn't pay attention to the invitation. Just didn't care. It's not that they were saying, oh, I hate that son, I'm not going. They just, they just treated it, watch this, lightly. So the king said, tell everyone the fatted calf is done. My banquet is here. Come to my house. Come to my house. It's time. It's time. Come. Some of them even killed the servants. So the king sent an army out and destroyed the city. Oh, aren't you glad the story doesn't end there? Because right after that, then, it says, now go back out to the streets and to the highways, to the low places, to the bad places, to the unrespectable places, and you get everybody. I don't care who they are. Bring them into my house. And the Bible says the most amazing thing. Jesus tells a story and says, the house was full. <laughs> with good people and bad people. And I think when Jesus said that, the disciples probably thought, okay, <laughs> I see where this is going. This is going to be good. Because <laughs> the king starts walking into the banquet filled with good people and bad people. For the illustration point, you're all bad. And you're all good. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Man, I sat on the wrong side. But now that's the irony because these people are all here first. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Of course, the Bible does say the first will be last and the last will be first. Oh, man, that, that doesn't work. So, come on, we get, we get caught. The, here's, here's, here's the point. Good and bad, and, G, and the king starts walking among them, puts his hand on the shoulder of one and says, oh, glad you're here. And he starts to go over to the bad side. <laughs> and the disciples are going, okay, they're going to be good. Watch this. And he says, glad you're here. You're welcome. And by this time, they're just like, oh. And then it says, he said, the king finds one 
person and looks at him and stops. Now, it's really interesting because in the original version, the first word he said was friend. And every one of the translations puts that at the end. And the reason is because they have a political point of view. Because they think, because, and you read these commentaries and they all say, well, he wasn't a real friend. He was just like an associate friend. He's just like a pair, it's like a back row friend. Okay, but no, no, no. He's like, it's like, it's like, sorry, man, I haven't, I didn't get to preach last week, so I get to cram it all in. It's like, it's like, it's like a real friend. But that's not what it says. It says Jesus said, friend, friend, how did you get in here without your wedding clothes, without your wedding? How did you get in here? It says the man was speechless. Friends, how did you get in here without the wedding clothes? The man didn't have anything to say. It's not like he said, well, I tried to get it, but they said I wasn't good enough. No. Or, or, or uh, they ran out. We're all out of clothes. <laughs> no. No. Wasn't any of that. He says, they're not here. I, I, he, didn't, he, he didn't have anything to say. Watch this. The only distinction wasn't that some were bad and some were good. The only distinction of who was welcome in the house was those that wore the son's wedding garment. <laughs> Those that were covered. Because you see, we're not good. Well, some of you over here are. And we're not bad. When we're covered in the goodness of Christ. When we're covered by everything that we are. Do you know what's striking about this story? You know why it's so important we understand what we wear? Because this whole story from the very beginning to the very end was about how lightly they treated the wedding invitation. Ah, well, whatever. I don't need to go. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to act that way. I know the pastor wants me to respond this way, but I don't need to do that. I know the Bible says I shouldn't do that, but it's okay. How lightly we do that. We live in a generation, in a world, that we just lightly toss it aside. The gift of God is lightly pushed aside. It's like, oh, what it is. The church will be there. Don't have to give. It's, a, it's all good. I don't have to do that. I'm not yelling at you. I'm broken on the inside. Because I think, God, how lightly have I taken the anointing that's on me teach and to preach. How lightly have we pushed aside the garments that we wear at Sunday and then we go home and we throw it in the corner on Monday and we don't dust it off until Saturday night or Sunday morning. We are marked with His clothes. We wear His grace. We wear His forgiveness. We wear His mercy. What do you wear? Are you marked? wearing the mark? How have you treated the invitation in your world, at your place, with where you're doing? Have you said, oh, it's not important? I've said in services where people said, oh, I'll give my life to Christ next week. I'll, I'll think about it a little bit longer. I don't want to give up the way I'm living right now. I don't, I don't need it. Just push it off. Push it off. Push it off. Come on. <laughs> Since you believed, 
put on the covering of Christ. Let's wear it. Let's wear it, and whatever that means. You say, well, Greg, I'm pretty dirty underneath. I know. Me too. But we're covered in Christ, in his righteousness. And one day when he returns, and he will, it will be a permanent fusion where we get a new body and a new life in Christ. And all the struggle will be gone. And we'll gather around the phone and we'll declare, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Father, in the name of Jesus, for everyone listening, let the preciousness of your thoughts break through every guilt, every shame, every failure, every weakness. Let it break through every hesitation, every doubt that we can just believe that you are Christ, that you are the Son of God, that you have forgiven us if we just wear your covering. So, Father, I pray for that. God, I pray right now, if there's a single soul in the sound of my voice watching online in this room that has not willingly put on the covering of Christ, that, Father, in that simple act of faith, trust in you, they do that right now, and say, Jesus, forgive me. Cover me with your son. Cover me, God, with your son. And Father, in that moment of that belief, it is done. They are marked. And God, I believe that for every single person, every single person. And Father, if there's anything that we do lightly, if there's anything that we as a body, as a people, as a pastor, treat lightly, God, I just pray you would remind us of the incredible awesomeness of the robe of righteousness that we wear in Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Isn't God good? God is so good.